What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. Very excited. Big show today. Andrew Perloff of the Dan Patrick Show joining us. He is holding on the line right now as I do this read because today being Thursday means the, the uh, CBS Sports we're airing the PGA Championship on, on CBS Sports and TNT and whatnot. You should be watching it. If you don't want to watch it on your cable package, you can watch it for free on the Internet because technology is wonderful. Second major of the year. It's in May this year for the first time in a long time. And you can stream it on CBSSports.com or the CBS Sports mobile app. It's all completely free. Also free, CBS Sports HQ, our 24-7 streaming sports network loaded with news, highlights, and in-depth analysis. We also have inside info and tips such fantasy lineups and uh, to play some bets. There's a, they just sent an alert out for the Preakness. Something uh, we got horse picks if you want to do that. And we'll be running highlights of the championship as well as golf analyst and friend of the show, Kyle Porter, live on site from the black course, Beth Page Black up in New York. Download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, or Apple TV. Start watching today. All right, Andrew Perloff, joining the show. You listen to the show, so this is exciting. You were not just a friend of the show, but uh, uh, you are. Well, you, first of all, you are a on-air contributor to the Dan Patrick Show. Been doing that forever. I am like many people, huge fans of what you guys do, and honored that you listen to this show yourself. Yeah, so I listen to it so well. I know, for example, that Lock on Four always interrupts you during your live read because <laughs> he's on hold just like I was. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was actually going to interrupt like Jason Luck come forward does, but uh, that was a well done. Yeah. I know all the characters. Yeah. Basically I drive for an hour and a half every morning. So I, I listen to you and a few other podcasts, but, and you're definitely one of the podcasts I listen to. <laughs> I would say favorite, but I don't want to get no, 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 no. You shouldn't, you shouldn't say that. I, I, um, I, 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 sometimes I wish I had a commute. Sometimes I like to, like if I, I, like I thought about driving to the draft in Nashville from Raleigh, which would be, uh, somewhere between seven and nine hours, which is a really long drive. But I was like, man, I could just listen to podcasts and, and like, like download some, like Dan Harlan, Dan Harlan's uh, hardcore history podcast and listen to it for nine hours and just soak in it. I ultimately decided not to do it, but it is sometimes I, I get it. The commute stinks, but sometimes it is nice to have that extra commute time or yard work time. I go out and mow my lawn just to listen to podcasts. So I, I'm, I am also a fan of them. Um, and I, I don't, I don't listen to this one as much, but I appreciate you putting us in the, um, putting us in the, in the rotation. What, what, what else do you, what else? We probably talked about this, but what else? What I'm just curious. What else is on your podcast palette? Okay, uh, so yeah, I have a pretty regular rotation. Uh, so I listen to the uh, NFL.com guys, our buddies, uh, Greg Rosenthal, yep. Chris Wessling, and uh, Mark Sessler, uh, Dan Hansis. I listen to them all the time. Um, they're a lot of fun. I listen to part of my take. As you probably know, I may not know, Big Cat and I are, are neighbors. Uh, I did not. I Brooklyn. did. I did not know that. That's that's awesome. I'm sorry. It, Big Cat. Yeah. Big Cat has like a kid on the way, and and it's yeah, like, I know. It's like, it's like, we I mean, play, you, you we probably play basketball that. every Saturday. Oh, so, wow. yeah, he's he's definitely going to change. I wonder if he's going to lose his edge. But uh, Big Cat's a good buddy. Um, I listen to Mark Marin. I listen to obviously. I listen to the Pro Football Focus. Uh, I listen to Zach Lowe. I have a whole. I listen to them all basically. Uh, so I go during the NFL season, it's NFL every day. Then I do NBA, NFL off season, and a few other uh, sort of general interests. But lately, 
Will, it's been the Game of Thrones podcast. You know how many are out there and how ridiculously in-depth they are? It's like they're like three hours long. It's crazy. I, I started listening to a couple, and I just can't – like they crank out an hour show immediately when the, when, the, when the episode airs. Most of them do. And then like the binge mode one for The Ringer is like two and a half hours long. I, I don't I – don't, um, I wish I had the time – to invest in that. And we're going to talk about game. Of, people are like, shut the F up about game of Thrones. Uh, our listener, <laughs> the listeners are, they're like, they're like every guest. You talk about game of Thrones. My boss, uh, EK is like, will you please stop making this a, a game of Thrones podcast? But we will talk about game of Thrones and the, the upcoming final episode and our thoughts on it at the end of the show. Uh, Andrew is also going to rank. This is, this is what you guys in the radio biz call a teaser. I believe you're going to rank the members of the, the the regular contributors of this podcast. And so that means if like, if Pete Briscoe's listening or Ryan Wilson's listening or Sean Wagner's listening and they want to hear where they rank, according to you, they have to, they have to listen to the whole podcast or jam the hell out of that fast forward button. Um, first, let's talk about some NFL news though, because we were blessed with, uh, with some shocking New York centric <laughs> news on, uh, on Wednesday as the Jets, I mean, out of nowhere, I think Chairman Christopher Johnson decides to fire GM Mike McCagnan. Says Mike helped to execute the strategic vision of the organization during the last four seasons and especially the past few months. However, I came to the decision to make a change after much thought and a careful assessment of what being the best long-term interest of the New York Jets. Um, making this weird is the fact that there are two years left on McCagnan's contract and he just orchestrated their entire draft. We're on a scale of one to ten. How surprised were you? And on a scale of one to ten, how terrified would you be as a Jets fan? Mm-hmm. Not surprised. Oh. I would say a four. Okay. Because you know there was that report out for the draft that McCagney was in trouble. Yeah. That then the Jets sort of denied. Uh, you know, the, McCagney has not been popular in New York. At least uh, you know I listen to a lot of New York City radio too. McCagney is oft criticized. The other thing is that coaching search both from what I've heard inside and what you saw on the outside was a mess. I remember there was like basically two candidates at the end and Adam Gase somehow emerged. Uh, It was not from everything I've heard was not well run or well organized by McCagman. So I I think that might've played into it. Uh, And then also you have, you have Adam Gase, this sort of hardcore disciplinarian coach and you bring in these big name free agents uh, one of them, Le'Veon Bell, who didn't report to his team forever. And then, uh, he doesn't report to the Jets all season workout. So I felt like that was kind of a weird marriage between Adam Gase and Mike McCagnan. So maybe I'll meet a little Monday morning quarterback, but I'm not completely shocked that this happened. Okay. Uh, yeah. I guess, I mean, I don't think it's shocking that the Jets would fire McCagnan in the sense that if you go back and look at his track record, you know, he spent a bunch of free agency. Uh, this is a team that, you know, he's hired in 2015. They went 20 and 24 and 40 during his run. Uh, he was executive of the year in 2015, which is kind of funny. Uh, he's had some, I think, some good picks uh, when you look at his first round picks, especially the last three. I, I mean, Quinn and Williams, TBD, but I really like him. I, I think Sam Darnold, sure. the move to trade up, even though they were not necessarily trading up to get Sam Darnold. They were just trading up, hoping to get one of three quarterbacks. They did move up, and they did get Sam Darnold. He, he deserves the credit for that. Uh, Leonard Williams in 2015 was a nice pick. Jamal Adams in 2017, a nice pick. Darren Lee, not great. When you look at the rest of his draft, though, I mean, it's it's not um, – it's not, not very good. I mean, Devin Smith stands out as a, as a bust as a second rounder. Christian Hackenberg, 51st overall in 2016. Ooh. One of the worst picks 
in modern – I mean, like, the, I would say that the Hackenberg pick is worse than the Roberto Aguayo pick from the same draft. Can I tell one Alliance of American Football story that I didn't get to share? Because when was, I saw the first practice of the Memphis Express, I was in San Antonio because I was doing some influence work for them. Yeah. And I saw Christian Hackenberger – Throw eight straight interceptions in a practice. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and nobody reported on it. But it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. And, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's just sort of getting warmed up. And then he actually played a little better than I thought. But you're right. I had forgotten about McKagan and Hackenberg. I mean, isn't that really the end of the story right there? Do you really need to go on with the rest of the pick? No, I mean, that was that was going to be it. I mean, he, I don't think he's hit on a – non – and he took Bryce Petty in the fourth round, which he got banged on, but he probably shouldn't have been – like ding that much for yeah. you know i mean i i don't maybe marcus may 39th overall i'm trying to find a um i'm trying to find a, a pick that he made outside of the first round that's been good i mean that you you have to make something out outside the first round and mccagnan hadn't done that it does seem though andrew that this is by and large a result of a power struggle with adam gase because now reports are coming out um, that Gase was unhappy about the Le'Veon Bell signing yeah. and unhappy about the C.J. Mosley signing. I get it. They were. I, I don't think the Bell signing was an overpay per se on the, given the player, but to p- spend a big and free agency on a running back with a team with a young quarterback, maybe not the smartest move. And then Mosley plays a position inside linebacker. He's now the highest paid linebacker. He makes more than Luke Keekley. So uh, from that perspective, you can certainly question the moves he made. It's not great for Adam Gase, however, to have this noise pop out, I, I don't think, where it's like he doesn't like Bell and Mosley, two of the new guys. And, and Gase, by the way, according to – I don't think the Jets have announced this. Maybe I missed it. I know Adam Schefter reported it. Uh, Adam Gase, interim GM. So they got that going for them. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That, that is totally wild. Yeah. You know, the funny thing, think about Gase in Miami. He didn't get along with veteran players who – kind of came off as either, or whatever reason, you know, he didn't come along with Jay Ajahi, the running back, so now he's got a, a, a you know, possibly a difficult or a headstrong running back. He obviously didn't get along with Ndamuk and Sue. I don't know. I, I, CJ Mosley seems like a pretty safe bet to me. I don't know what his problem is there. Although, when you think about it, former Ravens defensive guys, historically the worst signings you could possibly make. That's a good, that's a good point. What was that guy... Uh, what was that defensive end that, that got a big deal? Oh, um... I can't remember his name. Oh, I'm gonna tell you. I mean, yeah, it's, it's from the it's from the off the championship team. Um, it was yeah. uh, he was uh, like a four, three, four outside linebacker who had a lot of sacks. And then anyway, he didn't like many Ravens defensive guys left the Ravens. It was terrible. Yeah, no, there, there's you, a long. I've I've almost got it. I'm trying to. I've got the. I think that's the Ravens team. Yes, that is the Ravens team I'm looking for. And the player in question, if I can keep talking, wise. Oh, Paul Kruger. Sign uh, with the Paul Browns. Kruger. Paul Kruger, yes. I was going to say Paul Casey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Kruger. Yeah. Like, uh, so anyway, Ravens guys never work out. Neither before. Don't sign a Patriot ever, whatever you do. Uh, but so I get that. Adam Gase likes guys that uh, they're really file disciplined. So that, I would think that's got to be the source of his frustration. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. It's just weird, though, that you would take over – as interim GM and as this new head coach in this market where you're coming, you know, you're coming from Miami. You've already rubbed players the wrong way. You're trying to rehab your image. The first move you make is to do that press conference where you do the crazy eyes thing. And I, I get that it was overblown, but it, you know, it's still part of the image that, that comes along with it. And, and then your next move is to 
let it leak that you don't like these these players. I, I don't know. It just it, it just seems it just seems like maybe he's going about this the wrong way. I do find it interesting though the the reports out there. Schefter was on this first as well that the uh, that the what what the Jets would like to do in terms of replacing McCagnan is to try and get. Joe Douglas, Eagles personnel guy, sort of the, you know, one of the right, right hand men of, of Howie Roseman, been there a long time, and to couple him potentially with NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, who just completed his first draft. DJ, one of the best in the business, an awesome dude. Um, he, he just completed his first draft as the main chair replacing Mike Mayock, who just left to get the Raiders GM job. Are we, I mean, how, how, how far away am I? From being uh, Chargers GM, I don't. I can't be that far, right? <laughs> Pretty far away. Yeah, you're, you're a little closer than Frisco, <laughs> but you're a, a far away. Uh, I don't know if you ever seen Joe Douglas up close. He is the best dude, and I can't believe he's not a GM already because yeah. he'll bring like wherever he goes, he'll bring stability. And DJ, of course, is probably the most beloved person in the media. I think the media is going to be sad if Daniel Jeremiah leaves. He's the nicest of anybody in the whole media. Yes. But uh, I, I think Joe Douglas would be a great call. Look at the Eagles. I mean, he's the VP of player personnel. The Jets would be thrilled. It would give him stability. Here's the question, though, because Gase is in there now. And, you know, uh, GMs want to hire their own coach at some point. I, I think that Douglas's relationship with Gase is the only reason this could work. But you can't just bring in a random GM because then you're going to run into the same problem you've been having with the Jets where the GM and the coach are on different pages like John Itzik and – and Rex Ryan. So it's a weird place in this interim GM title. Uh, like, where does Adam Gates really sit here? Because, again, remember, if you think back to the coaching search, it wasn't like, hey, yes, we got Adam Gates. It was like, hey, we're looking at Matt Rule. We're looking at all these other people. And uh, let's go with Adam Gates. It was kind of a weird coaching search. So, yeah, it's chaotic, man. I, I you know, now that you asked me, I think my surprise scale from – Four to ten, the four on the surprise, but six on the panic if I'm a Jets fan. Yeah, I think it's pretty high. You know, I think it changes if you land uh, Joe Douglas again. Like Douglas has been with the Eagles since 2016. He was um, with the Bears in 2015 as their director of college scouting. That's when Gase was there as the offensive coordinator. So presumably that's when the connection was made. And then he was with the the Ravens in their personnel department for 16 years prior to that. That's where he and DJ. Uh, if you you probably read the the profile on 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 DJ in the Athletic, where basically. You know, they broke down his history of being a scout, of being a personnel guy, making the move to the media, and and he was he, he worked with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is quoted in that, and and Joe Douglas uh, and and DJ worked together in the Ravens. It's it's pretty easy to imagine some sort of world where they were grinding late at night. They're like, one day we're going to run a team together. I, I think, <laughs> I mean, I think it would be fascinating though. Like, what would like. Is because DJ made clear in that profile he he loves what he's doing in the media he loves being in California I think his his wife is from there he went to school in, in, at App here in North Carolina um, but he likes being on the West Coast he likes the freedom of the media work so it, it will be fascinating to see how this plays out from a perspective of if he is actually interested in the job can the can could the Jets lure him into running a team with Joe Douglas I, I don't know I I I, I agree with you it'd be, it would it would it would be sad. Because DJ is great in the media, it'd be cool to see him running a team. I think he'd be good at it. I don't know who the, who NFL Network would hire next because I mean they just let lost Mike Mayock to lose another guy after that would be borderline devastating. Yeah, they, well, you know it's funny they did replace Mayock pretty quickly. I'm sure they could find somebody. They they're 
I, I love that. I, I, I actually prefer watching NFL Network a little bit over ESPN, although I like both of them. I thought DJ was great this year. Uh, really just stepped in. You know, I don't think he likes the hours. I don't think DJ, you, you nail it. He's got young kids. Yep. I don't think he wants those hours of running a team. And you're right. He loves Cal. Every reason you just laid out is perfect. Um, Joe Douglas has a lot of, lot of friends, you know, Philadelphia is a big sort of robust scouting department. And there are a lot of good people around. I don't think Douglas really needs him. And the other thing too, is yeah. I think Joe Douglas is getting a GM job. It soon, you know, this would be sooner because you wouldn't think you'd do it in May. But next year, I would think Joe Douglas. So I don't think he needs Dale Jeremiah. That seems like an interesting tidbit, but I think Joe Douglas is the key part of this because um, although your buddy Sean McGuff says that this is the Redskins division for the next decade, <laughs> which I'll get into later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Call back to uh, uh, an earlier podcast. I, when the Eagles I... are clearly – yeah. yeah, one one you've listened to and I haven't listened to because I did I didn't listen I didn't hear it while I was I didn't get them all while I was on vacation. Um, yeah, and I do think too like if yeah. if you're like if you're DJ, good for you. Like worst case scenario, you're getting a raise out of this. So so good for DJ for getting his name mentioned. Uh, he will probably get a chance. And, totally. right, Joe Douglas would make a ton of sense. I think you write the ship pretty quickly if you're a Jets fan, and, and maybe don't panic as much if you're if you're able to land uh, Douglas in that role. All right, I wrote a story uh, on the website that went up. Uh, around lunch on Wednesday, fatal flaws for all 32 NFL teams. It's it's 4,500 words. It was a mistake. I should have split it into conferences or <laughs> something. It took it took like six hours to write. It was really annoying. First thing I had to do when I got back from vacation. Reminder that Disney not as not as terrible as, as you might remember. Um, but of the fatal flaws, one of the things I we we, we talked about a couple teams that are sort of newsworthy, noteworthy. I thought the, I think the Broncos' fatal flaw is their quarterback. And I wonder your thoughts on Joe Flacco's comments about Drew Locke and whether or not it's a responsibility of a veteran quarterback to actually mentor a young rookie quarterback who comes in in the fold. Okay, so my take, and I put this out there on Twitter at Andrew Perloff, was that Flacco, when he's in these media situations, his number one goal is to get out of those media situations. And I think he was thinking that Broncos fans want to hear that I'm only focused on winning and I'm going to win right now because they have no patience. So I think he thought he was saying the safe thing. And I think he's right. I think that's the right answer to say, forget the future. We got to win right now. They just paid me a bunch of money. All I care about is winning right now. That's sort of the Tom Brady answer. So I think that's where Flacco is coming from. And I think that's absolutely the right answer. And then he'll just lead by example. I mean, you ever talk to Joe Flacco? I mean, there's not, he's not exactly a fiery leader or mentor or any of that stuff anyway. So he'll just sort of be there and do his thing and it'll all be the same. I didn't have a problem with the statement. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the problem is, is that in 2019, we, we sort of, uh, ascribe feelings and intent to what quotes are said. Because if you read, if you, if you, if you read this taken out of context, it does sound like, oh, Joe Flacco hates young quarterbacks. Cause I mean, he didn't mentor Lamar, <laughs> ja- he didn't mentor Lamar Jackson. He made it clear he wasn't going to do that either. But when you, when you read, when you actually think about Joe Flacco saying this and think about the way that he is and how he likes, you know, he drove through McDonald's after he won a Super Bowl and he's always very yeah. chill and he's not, he's not, you know, he's not fiery and he's not an a-hole or anything like that. He's like, look, I'm on a new team. 
I gotta learn how to play. I gotta learn how to run an offense on, a, on the, my, the first new team of my entire career since I was drafted by the Ravens. I've got a billion things to worry about. I don't have time to worry about mentoring Drew Locke. Please don't be mad at me. That's just the, that's just the truth. So I, I, I think that I think part of that is the media in in 2019, and part of it, um, you're right, is just he's like, what what can I say that will get you to stop asking me this question? <laughs> yeah. But wait, I don't think that quarterbacks have fatal flaw because, like you've had some other teams, wide receiver is a bad situation there in Denver. And, and it was a bad, uh, as you know, I, I, I think I told you I'm pretty close with Case Keenum. Yeah. And they were 6-6 six and six last year. Then Emmanuel Sanders tore his Achilles. And then they lost four straight games. Like, there is nothing there. There yeah. is just, there is absolutely covered bare. So I don't really know exactly where they're going to find uh, find any help there. I guess, uh, you know, maybe Sanders comes back, but he's getting old. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I thought, was a huge disappointment as a, as a rookie. So I don't see where Flacco or Drew Locke is going to throw. That's why Deshaun Hampson could run the right route. Uh, Jake Butt, the tight end, is always hurt. Did they get Fant? They yeah, might. They got, anyway, they, they got Fant at 20th. Just, yeah. They're mess all over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and they have a brand-new coordinator, too. Yeah, and Rich Scangarello, who I – I mean, I'll confess. I mean, I don't know a ton about him. I don't think he has a huge, he doesn't have a huge history running offenses. This is part of why you get these retreads in these situations too. It's like you have something to, to base your, your hire on. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I guess I, I, I can agree. I can agree. I can get on board with that. When I was looking at it, I was thinking, all right, Deshaun Hamilton is the eventually Emmanuel Sanders replacement. Um, he hopefully won't have to do that right away because Sanders hopefully will be back and be healthy. Um, adding, adding Fant is, is, is a big plus. And then I think Sutton, I think we just expect too much of these first-year wide receivers. It's ever since that 2014 class. If guys don't mm-hmm. break out in their first year, we get we get all hot and bothered about them. I, I think the the secret sauce for the Broncos and Ryan Wilson touched on this uh, on Monday's podcast. But Lou, the Steelers lost Mike Munchak, and now he's in and now he's in Denver. Yep. And to me, the ability to get the most out of Jawan James, Dalton Reisner, Garrett Bowles, Ronald Leary. And, and Connor McGovern, assuming that that's their starting five on the offensive line, could go a long way towards this team being a really good rushing team. And if, if that's the case, I don't think they're going to be asked to throw that much. But if, if Flacco can't stay healthy and they're forced to put Locke in there, to me, that's where things could get dicey, uh, having a rookie quarterback, even, even if you are a heavy running team. Absolutely. Uh, I agree completely. Muntak was a huge addition last year. I can't tell you how many times Philip Lindsay would break off a run and Garrett Bowles would get called for holding. Yeah. It was, it seemed like they, they lost 50% of their offense on offensive holding calls and they were disorganized. You always saw free rushers because one lineman was going the wrong way. A lot of guys got hurt last year. So that was part of it. But Muntak is great. I mean, that's a, again, a big loss for the Steelers too. So yeah, do you like, do you like Roy Freeman? Because they, I, I read that they're going to, feature him even a little bit more than Philip Lindsay. And he struck me as one of the slowest running backs I've ever seen in the NFL last year. But he was just a rookie, and he didn't seem to know what he was doing. So you're right, they should be able to run, but I'm unconvinced. Yeah, I think the Royce Freeman and Rashad Penny could be post-hype fantasy breakout guys this year. Uh, Pete Prisco mentioned him. Okay. Just like guys who will get a lot of opportunity because of – their pedigree and where they were drafted and maybe injuries ahead of them. Yep. Um, and, and they have good, decent to good offensive line situations in front of them. So like with the case Keenum thing, did that mean 
were you were you a Broncos fan last year? How did that? Because you were you you grew up an yeah, Eagles I, fan, right? But then became, but now so, you said you're a Bengals yeah, fan I grew up too. An Eagles fan. Yeah, how is explain this? Yeah, so I did a feature. You know, I was at SI for years, still contribute with SI a little bit, and my first magazine feature was on Andy Dalton right before his draft. Yeah. It was it was as thrilling as you might expect. And anyway, became friends with the Daltons and started to follow them. And then you watch the Bengals, it's they're utterly fascinating. They're never never quite there. And I think it, Dan makes fun of me on the Dan Patrick show all the time that I try <laughs> to I always stick up for Dalton and I always stick up for the Bengals. Dalton is the most over criticized quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I know he's not Aaron Rodgers, but the way people talk about Andy Dalton, which has made me double down on my defense of him through the years. So uh, that's why I became a Bengals fan. And there are no national media Bengals fans. John Breach, by the way, should be one, and he's given up on them. Chris <laughs> Wesley from Cincinnati on NFL.com, he's utterly given up on them. So I, I've, on the Dan Patrick Show, I have the mantle of the Bengals fan. Uh, so that's a tough job. And again, I rooted, I watched the Broncos so intently last year. I spent a lot of time in camp out there with Case. Um, and there, it was, it was so close. Remember Keenum missed Demarius Thomas against the Chiefs in like week three in a primetime game? Yes. It could have been a touchdown for them. And then after that, the wheels started to fall off a little bit. A lot of guys got hurt. They were close last year. So I was a little surprised that they let go of Keenum and went Flacco because I thought they were headed in the right directions, but they, you know, they, they're a little thin. It's going to be challenging. I think for them to challenge the chiefs and the chargers who are both way more talented. I think. Yeah. And, and one of the, I mean, the other problem too, like if you looked at the advanced metrics, this is a team that I think it was like week eight, like halfway through the season, football outsiders, DVOA, there were, there were, Two, it was like two teams in the NFL that were top 10 in defensive and offensive DVOA and the Broncos were one of them. It's like, what the hell? Like, what the hell? How did the, yeah. how is Denver there? And yeah. it was just, I mean, look, Vance Joseph was in over his head. He was just making mistakes and he was way too conservative late in games. We saw that against the Chiefs mm-hmm. and then against the, the Browns later in the year and it, it cost him a couple wins. And I, I just, I think John Elway's in this bizarre spot as far as pressure goes because he he brought two Super Bowls as a player there. You know, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Hall of Fame car salesman. He brought a Super Bowl as a as a personnel executive. There's nobody who can really fire him right now because the ownership is in flux. But even if you could, how do you fire John Elway, who's brought the franchise three Super Bowls, and yet he knows that the the pressure is mounting? That's why he feels like he's just knee jerk reaction to make these changes on quarterbacks. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. There really doesn't seem any rhyme or reason. Remember, everyone criticized him for going too tall. Case wasn't tall. Case is pretty short yes. for a quarterback. Yeah. So now he's going back to the tall thing again. I don't see how this works out. I just don't. I, and I think you're right. The fatal flaw probably is quarterback. They need stability there. Drew Locke in the second round. You notice lately, like, second-round quarterbacks have not been franchise quarterbacks. I, I guess the last one was sort of that Derek Carr draft, but in the last few years, it seems like a lot of the good guys have gone in the first round. So I'm not getting too excited about Drew Locke. Yeah, I, I don't know how long this experiment lasts with Elway if they don't win this year. I think he might even just be exhausted. Like, what am I doing this for? I'm John Elway. I don't need this. <laughs> I like that. John Elway, John Elway, does like he did in the NFL. He, he walks away. He walks it off. Um, and by the way, Andy Dalton. Yeah, he does a helicopter. He does a helicopter in the front <laughs> office on his last day, lands, and walks off. 
Here are the here's the list of uh, oh my god second this is this will tie it all together for you here's a list of uh, second round quarterbacks taken in recent years Drew Locke, Deshaun Kaiser Christian Hackenberg Derek Carr Jimmy Garoppolo Geno Smith Brock Osweiler by the Denver Broncos why why what are you doing John Elway Andy Dalton and uh, Colin Kaepernick and then uh, the last one before that was Jimmy Clausen who can ever forget the magical years of Jimmy Clausen. Um, <laughs> That was a, that was well, rough. Isn't it? Jimmy Clausen like? It, isn't he like the um, Josh Rosen of his age? Because that was like the, the soonest a franchise had picked a quarter, another quarterback yeah. after they won Cam the year after drafting him. Yeah, because so they took Clausen in the 2010 draft. Uh, it, they didn't have a first round pick because Marty Herney had traded up for Everett Brown out of FSU and given up a future first. <laughs> Yeah, whoops. And, um, and, and then as a result had to take, had, he used his second round pick on Jimmy Clausen in 2010, 48th overall, his first pick. And then, uh, they took Cam Newton. They, they were the worst, one of the worst teams in football, one of the worst offenses you'll ever see in, in, in NFL history in 2010. John Fox led, Jimmy Clausen starting. It was a total disaster. And then they took Cam Newton. <laughs> to, yeah, they took Cam Newton, uh, with the first overall pick in 2011. All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and, uh, and bang through some more. Or, uh, maybe one more fatal flaw and uh, and maybe a little bit of sports discussion before some Game of Thrones. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right. Andrew Perloff still hanging out. I, 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 I do a re, sometimes I reset for no real reason. Like, that's a radio thing, right? And I, I, I don't know why I yeah, do yeah. it. I don't know why I do it. Um, you don't need to do it for a podcast because – your listeners are just listening, uh, but you can follow him at Andrew Perloff on Twitter. You can uh, watch him every day. I think on the Audience Network, right on Directv, on or, and Bleacher Report Live. Oh, Bleacher Report Live too on, on the Dan Patrick Show. And then you did the uh, you did the SITV stuff for the draft with uh, with Albert Breer, right? Yeah, I had a uh, weekly show with Albert and Bart Scott That's in the fall, and then we did it this spring, and we'll see what's. What's next for that? But yeah, I, the draft with the uh, PFF guys and Alvin that's and the right, whole SI right. crew is a bunch of good dudes. There's a lot of uh, OTT yep. content, but don't watch SI. Watch CBS Sports HQ. Um, no offense. 
The, uh, so the other, the other, the other team that I want to, the other team that I want to talk about the uh, I listed the Redskins when I talk about my fatal flaws and uh, their pass catchers. I think if you look at Washington's pass catchers, they might be the worst in the NFL. And they let Jameson Crowder walk. They have Josh Doxson is their number one op- option along with Paul Richardson and then uh, Terry McLaurin, who they took in the third round this year. My boy Calvin Harmon in the sixth round. Trey Quinn, a 2018 17th rounder. There's somebody on here named Darvin Kidsey. I'm not going to pretend like I know who he is. And <laughs> uh, and and uh, Jehu Chesson. I, I could be making these up. Uh, as well as Brian Quick, who was a second round pick. Maybe it was a 2000 and. 12 or 2013 by the Rams. It was a Jeff Fisher draft. I'm trying, I think it was 2012, but, uh, he was one of the, an early, in fact, he was one of the RG3 picks. So yes, it was, uh, 2012, uh, when yeah. he was taken as a second round pick. This is a, a total crap show for the, uh, for the Washington Redskins. Do you think it would be, what's better for them here to throw your boy Case Keenum in the fire? Or to really throw Dwayne Haskins, the rookie quarterback, in the fire, uh, given these pass catchers, how 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 do you think that would play out for either one of those guys? Well, I I think Case is really excited because they got Calvin Harmon in the sixth round, and a certain podcast was talking about him at the twenty sixth spot <laughs> and the twenty eighth spot throughout the spring. Yeah. I just want to point that out. I don't remember which podcast was talking about. You know, they went on and on about Garrett Bradbury and then Kelvin Harmon and then he fell. Oh yeah, it was yours. Yeah. Uh Sorry. yeah. I, I I at least I if you had if you had said I'll give you Ryan Finley and Kelvin Harmon who gets drafted first, it's even money. I would have put my wife, son, house, car, <laughs> 401k uh, le- left leg, right leg, everything. I would be like, just what? How much can I leverage that Kelvin Harmon will be drafted before Ryan Finley, and I would just be a torso floating around in space because I, I would have lost it. I, I, I was stunned by it. Look, uh, you know, I was at least right about Garrett Bradbury. I'm actually going to do something stupid, like pick him to be uh, offensive rookie of the year. Just really stupid, something <laughs> really stupid. Love it. Um, no, I would go Case because I think Jay Gruden. He's got to win now or he's going to get fired. I think yeah. he's on his last leg there. So you got to go with the veteran because Haskins only had one year at Ohio State in the Urban Meyer offense. I, I think I know Haskins got a great arm and I know he looks great, but it's got to be a Jay Gruden, Case Keenum, or maybe Colt McCoy or a veteran go down together. Uh, I don't think this is an opportunity to try out a rookie. I, I, would, I would tend to agree with you. I think one of the problems they're going to face – is that Jay Gruden may also have a conflicting ish issue when it comes to his, uh, his owner, his boss's boss's boss, or boss's boss, I guess, mm-hmm. um, saying, Hey, yeah. we're not winning games. Play Dwayne Haskins. He went to my son's high school. Play him now. Play him now. Damn it. He's screened I, from his yacht. Like I, I just, I feel bad for Case Keenum because I, I see that happening. Like the Redskins are two and two. You know, a couple weeks in, and it's just not good enough for for Dan Snyder, and so he demands that Haskins plays. It happened with the case in L.A. with yep. Jared Goff. Uh, they had sort of shown a little bit of improvement. Case got was named the starter, and then they drafted Jared Goff number one overall. He's used to it. You know, he's had one of those careers where he kind of always finds a way. Because remember, he was third string in Minnesota. He had to beat out like Taylor Heineke or somebody for the job. And then he ended up having a sort of a career season that ended in the Minneapolis Miracle. So a lot can happen. I was worried about my thing with the Redskins. They always have like 28 guys who end up on the IR by the end of the season. That's a bit of a concern too. So I, I'm not, 
I'm not going to stress it. I'm rooting for Case to get that job, but weird things seem to happen in Washington. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, Football Outsiders just published their 2018 adjusted games lost, and once again, the Redskins are in the bottom ten. I, at some point, maybe if you're the Redskins or you're the Chargers and you're in the bottom five or ten every effing year, maybe you invest in a better training staff. Maybe it's not bad luck over and over again. Maybe it's your training staff and you are the problem. Not, I mean, I, to me, I, I, I don't want to. I, I haven't, I haven't spent time hands on with the training staff of the Washington Redskins, so I don't, I don't want to insult these medical doctors. But at some point, it's a trend and not a bad luck situation. So you're right. There's probably a pretty good chance that that Case Keenum will will spend significant time uh, under center, probably throwing to uh, what, what's it, what, what was his name? I said uh, Darvin Kidzy. Oh, Chasu. Jehu yes. Jehu Chesson. <laughs> yeah. Who are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you I know? Do you wait. know? Do you know who these guys are? I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not even going to lie to you. Well, did you say Paul Richardson's coming back? The guy, he's coming back. That's a big thing. They need a vertical guy. Yeah. Josh Doxson might show the thing. They have tight ends. Uh, Terry, everyone loves Terry McLaurin as a special teams guy out of Ohio State. Yeah. So there's some hope. I mean, their running back should be awesome if Darius Geis comes back. Darius Geis was going to blow up last year, and then he got hurt. That was tragic to all fantasy football players yes. when that happened. So. I think there's a chance, you know, they, they've invested a ton in the Owen offensive and defensive line. They have like some good interior players. It could come together. I don't know. I mean, did Sean, it, did who, Sean, we'll did Swimming Magoo just take over your brain and like, you're like I, oh. maybe the Redskins are good. Yeah. I, I, that, well, we're going to get to that. Well, when are we going to do the CBS uh, podcast contributor power ranking? Okay, because right. that one really stuck with me. Okay, all right. Hold on. First, let's, uh, would you, people are clamoring for an NFL draft lottery. What do you think? Yeah. Draft lottery, yes, or draft lottery, no, for the NFL? You know, I think no, just because why overcomplicate it? But I got to tell you, tanking is going to become a real thing because of Trevor Lawrence floating out there in two years. Yeah. I think you're going to start to see some real, NBA style. Hey, let's worry about next year. Uh, I, I I'm a little worried about it. Here's the solution that I came up with uh, that I like, and I uh, Tom Fernelli, who is a friend of ours, a friend of the podcast, has come out, come on a ton. Um, I'm in one of his fantasy leagues, and I I, I suggested this for uh, his his fantasy football league, and it's if you're the first team out of the playoffs, you get the number one pick the following year. So basically, like, you're rewarded for coming very close to the playoffs, but not and, – and so I don't think that they should do that if you're going to do the lottery. I like the idea of a lottery, but I think that – and I, I know Michael David Smith of Pro Football Talk mentioned this on Twitter on, on Wednesday, but the idea being you basically build out a system that weights teams who who do well. So, for instance, the Browns were really close to being eliminated but tried really hard down the stretch and cost themselves a, you know some value in terms of the draft pick as a result of playing well down the stretch. Reward them, give them a higher pick. Um, and especially in football where, you know, it's great if you have the number one pick, but it's a, it's a freaking, like, nightmare if you have the number one pick in, in 2013. Remember, the Chiefs needed all kinds of help, but they just had to take Eric Fisher, and they had to give him the slotted – Number one overall salary. I mean, it just sucks if, you know, if you're in, it's hard to trade out of that number one spot now because unless there's a great generational quarterback, uh, teams don't want to move up that much because it's so expensive in terms of draft capital. So to me, maybe even give them an option. Like if you, if you're, let's say you're the, let's say, um, 
who let's say the uh, the Jets win the lottery this year. They have the word they, they're the next to last team out of the playoffs. Um, they try hard down the stretch. They they win the lottery. They don't even have to take the first overall pick. They get to choose their pick. You can choose your. That, that's getting, that's getting complicated. But I mean, why not add some uh, throw some stuff in the mix and make it uh, make it a little spicy? Yeah, but come on, you know that it's about setting the quarterbacks. You need every market to have a quarterback. Yeah. And now you need to be in the top five to get the quarterbacks. So, I mean, Cleveland wouldn't be good last year if they didn't take Baker number one. So that example doesn't sure. work. So they wouldn't have had Baker. Yeah, I mean, it's all about – it's such a – you know, the fact that Kyler Murray went number one this year just proves that. I mean, he would not have been number one five years ago in a million years. But now you just have to take flyers, especially the top of the draft. So in realism, I love what you're talking. I know you're getting excited. But come <laughs> on, it would never work because the bad teams have to have quarterback. Right. You'd end up with the bad teams being even worse because they'd have the 15th overall pick and just have to take Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, anyway, yeah. right. Uh, we were going to discuss sports Emmy stuff, but maybe we'll just have to do that later because we – um, I yeah, a, we're up next. Dan Patrick Show next Monday is up for a sports Emmy. Oh. After I win, maybe we'll come back and, and do that. But yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, uh, you, know, you guys. Wins all I know you guys. Well, who cares? Well, Tony Romo needs to win for best sports announcer. You guys, yeah. you guys are deserving. Yeah. You should win. Were you going to be? Is Dan? Is this a? People are going to be mad. Or are people thinking a win is coming? How are you feeling about that? Uh, it's so random. MLB Tonight beat us last year, and not mm-hmm. not the one on ESPN, the one on MLB Network. So. You have no idea. It's that's not show, even worth investing in. It's new voters every year, so I don't even sweat it. That show is not. Um, <laughs> it's not oh, I, I don't. Know. I like. Like you watch the MLB tonight. You have no idea. I watch a ton of baseball. I watch. I watch an inordinately amount of MLB Network is on my. Um, is on my. I, I don't like the. I don't like the MLB Network personalities for some reason. They're very. Uh, they're too baseball-y. They're too old school baseball-y. I don't. I don't like it. Like. Billy Ripken's fine. I'm not a huge um, uh, Harold Reynolds fan, just personally. I mean, I don't want to bash any baseball guys. I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. It's not my. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. I don't. They, I don't like the whip around they do when they when they go and they follow a bunch of games and and comment over the games. I like I like the local announcers. I like to soak in the local Homer flavor when I'm watching my baseball. All right. Well, I, I hope I wish you voted for the Emmys because they're our main competition. We'll, well see. I, well, I, and Rachel Nichols and the Jump is in there too. So anyway, it's going to be a juicy year. Ooh, that that could be a tough one for you. That that show is very popular amongst the the hip kids. Yeah. Not that Dan Patrick show is not. But um, all right, let's get to uh, what do you want to yeah. do first? You want to talk Game of Thrones? You want to rank the Pick Six podcast contributors? Well, I know we have limited time. Let's rank the Pick Six contributors. Okay. Uh, you so I have my top five. This is your top five regular Pick Six podcast contributors. I, I assume that I am not involved in the rankings. Like you wouldn't rank me because I'm no, no, no. You're, you're, not, okay, involved. Okay, yeah, okay. you're not involved. Okay. You would be number one. You're 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 good. You're solid. Thanks. Number one, <laughs> and this is easy. I mean, number one is obvious. There's only one athlete amongst the regular contributors, oh. uh, at least in season. Brady Quinn by five miles, and I'm so jealous that you get to be friends with him, at least podcast friends. Brady, Quinn, Brady Quinn and I are real-life friends. Real-life friends. Yeah. He is so cool, and his football knowledge is unbelievable. Like, he's been everywhere. He knows what he's talking about. Like, you know, all us sports writer nerds, of course, we wanted to, secretly wanted to be friends with the quarterback, and you get to do it, so he's number one. Yes. And he's also very, very good. So he's one. He's, he's, even, he's even funnier behind, like, off camera or off podcast, he's even he's even funnier. So, can you put in kind of a word for me? Would that be too much to ask? No, for sure. Why don't you guys just have him on the Dan Patrick show? And then you guys can hang out. 
Oh, yeah, no, no, no. we've had a bot. Uh, okay, number two is Pete Prisco uh, because he's so on brand as Pete Prisco. <laughs> Even today, I'm in the car, and I'm listening, and you're like, and you do, it's a little bit of cursory Game of Thrones talk with him, and he just has the most Pete Prisco. He goes, hey, what's the deal? Was, uh, was the mountain a zombie or something? I'm like, oh, my God, leave it to Pete Prisco to have, like, the worst Game of Thrones take of all time. That's so Pete Prisco. I loved it. He's like, just like, he never, dead? ever disappoints. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, number three. Uh, number three, I have to go with Jason Lacomfort because he shares an agent with Dan and he's around at our dinners a lot and he's a super nice guy. The one thing he does a couple things he interrupts your introduction every time he's on mm-hmm. and he sometimes says things from an inside standpoint. Like, yeah, I mean, everyone knows that the assistant GM of the Raiders was on the way out last March or something. He'll say things that are inside that he assumes that we all know that we don't know. That's his one fatal flaw there, but I, he's very good. I would say that Jason's okay. one fatal flaw is that he likes to make espressos during the middle of the podcast, but that's <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, number four is going to be a tie with Ooh. Ryan Wilson and John Breach. And I don't know why. I, I, uh, do I have the names right, Ryan and, and John? Yes. Because I feel like they're like guys I've worked with my whole life, and they just be my friends, and they're super solid. They always deliver they have no flaws whatsoever but i don't know them personally so i can't put them in my top three is that fair that that's absolutely fair that's a that's a good assessment and i, I gotta give all all the guy the super friends version of the podcast people they're all very uh good about being able to work on short notice should uh, my planning be total crap or a guest have to cancel so that's the, the, just a yeah. good props for that yeah they're really really good okay and uh so the guy, and I don't know if I mentioned it, um, your boy Sean with the hyphenated name. So he, he's a thing on the Dan Patrick show. You don't know this. No. He is, I mean, the millennial hot taker. I use his material all the time. I will drive up and put on the Pittsburgh podcast, and he will say something, and I will, I will storm into the room. Storm, Dan Patrick will have the door closed. I'm like, Dan, I have to tell you what I just heard. I just heard someone on a podcast say that Patrick Mahomes has already achieved more than Brett Favre oh in his NFL career, or something like that. Yeah, and like yeah. he's he's uh, yeah, he's very smart and he's very passionate about football. And I love it, but he goes hot with his hot takes, and they're just very entertaining. The um, the the Mahomes Favre thing rankled some feathers around. The, the offices as well. I mean, like I got, I mean, he and I got in a shouting match about it because it was so ridiculous to point out that, I mean, like Brett Favre is a, one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time easily. And maybe if you want to, you could say five if you want, but you, know, you have to parse through the, if you just have to parse through the top five, which I think is hard to do with Brady and Manning and, um, you know, uh, Marino and, and Montana. I mean, it's just Elway. It's just, it's just hard to do, but like, no doubt about it. He's one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks to ever play in football. And Patrick Mahomes has played one full season. So to say that, that he could, it's ridiculous. And yet I, I understand where Sean is, is coming from because I too once told my parents that Nirvana was better than the Beatles or some crap like that. Well, just this week, let me give you a couple more examples. Just this week, you guys were talking Game of Thrones. He goes, yeah, I liked when Danny burned down the entire city. I'm like, dude, of course you like that. Nobody in America liked that Danny burned down the city <laughs> except Rashawn. And then he said this thing about how the Redskins are in better position to win moving forward than the Eagles and the Cowboys because they might have a cheap quarterback and the Eagles and the Cowboys. I'm like, do you realize that the Eagles have a, a front office that has won Super Bowls 
and it's loaded with talent. And the Cowboys had, you know, Leighton Vaderas and a lot of young talent. Like I thought that was a pretty hot take uh, too, but it's good. It's great. It's great content. And like I said, he sounds, he's obviously very smart, but he totally gives the takes that I would have given when I was in my twenties. So I, I like it a lot. Yeah. He once, um, he once did some take. It was about, I mean, probably about a, the Patriots. I can't remember what it was, but like W E I got, got fired up about the take. And so they, they, yeah. they were like, Hey, we want to have you on the Kirk and Callahan show at six Oh five AM. And Sean's like, oh, God, like, I'm going to get – because he's on the West Coast. He's like, I'm going to get lit up by these Boston guys. And, like, th- so he woke up at 3 a.m. his time, and they never they, – and they never called him. They stood him up. It's just like – this is like the like – the, like the, the, not only simultaneously hilarious that, that it happened. I love Sean, but it's funny that it happened. But the, the fact that, like, um, they were mad about this millennial hot take fits fits with your uh, – you're, what you're saying very well. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 look, that means Sean is a big part of the Dan Patrick show. He'd be very happy to know that. All right, let's talk very quickly. Game of Thrones. My son will just be late yeah. to soccer practice. I, I am curious what you think. You mentioned to me the betting market has moved like crazy. Yeah. Odd Shark pointed out that, that Bran Stark is now the heavy favorite. He's minus 500 to, to sit on the crown at the end of it. Or sit on the crown, to sit on the throne at the end of it. Obviously, Spoilers in play here, guys. At this point, I would hope that you know that's coming. Um, what uh, what path do you see for Brandon Stark to sit on the Iron Throne, if any? Okay, I, I, I'm a big book guy. I'm okay. such a nerd. But in the book, the you, first you and Sean. protagonist, the first yeah, the first POV guy is Bran. Bran is the whole oh. book was supposed to be about Bran. He's the Harry Potter, the normal kid who was chosen to be special. And then for some reason they forgot about him. And he just sits there like a weirdo up north. So I felt like the beginning, in the first episode of Game of Thrones, Bran was supposed to be the king. Then they lost their way. But what's going to happen is obviously John is going to kill Daenerys, go up, go up north and reunite with his dire wolf and pet uh, Gregos or whatever. So who does that leave? Uh, the oldest Stark, the oldest Stark male, which would be Bran. And uh, and Sansa would be like the puppet, like she'd be like the Dick Cheney to the brand George W. Bush. That's my theory. That's mm. what I'm going with. Okay, so I, I, can, I mean, I can also see John defeating Danny and like being like, "My watch is over," and I'm, le- you know, like I'm, I, I just killed my girlfriend slash aunt. I'm not dealing with this. I'm not ruling this stupid castle anymore. I'm like you yeah. said, I'm leaving to be with my dire wolf or, or I'm going to go hang with the wildlings or something like that. Um, it, I think that the, the idea behind the reason the betting markets moved is that there was some guy on Reddit that correctly predicted everything that would happen in the Danny burns it all episode, like down to like, this is what somebody told me down to like the, like every, like literally everything that happened. And he also wrote that brand will be King. And that's why the markets moved, which is stupid for those markets to move. They have limits. I mean, you can only bet so much on, on who's going to win the the throne, but I, I would be, I would be pretty surprised. I, I don't think it would be weird if brand was the, the ended up on, on top. I mean, and I wouldn't be surprised if his eyes went ice blue at the very end of the show as a way to set up a prequel uh, for possibly delving into what the Night King was and, and what, you know, because there was that theory that he was the Night King and all that. I mean, it, yeah. nothing would surprise me at this point, but I do think that they will err a little bit on the side of predictability instead of insanity just because that's what we've seen from them in the last two seasons. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, there's, one fan theory that the Night King was about to hand his sword to Bran as the new ruler, uh, oh. not not kill him. And then uh, there's all these great theories. Uh, 
by the way, there's a theory floating out there that the last scene is John is going to go up north, north of the wall. And the last thing he's going to see is that when the White Walkers kill people, they put their bodies in a spiral. It's going to be a White Walker spiral, which is a callback to the first scene of the yeah. first show ever. So that the, the, because as many people said on Twitter, the long night, uh, the, the long winter lasted all of one night. That was a bit of a letdown. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, there could be more to come there. Yeah, I mean, that's like my big problem. And that's what we talked about. And it got into this crappy discussion about Thrones. But it's like, look, the war of Winterfell lasted one night. And the war of yeah. King's Landing lasted like three and a half hours, maybe. And I get that it's not in real time. I understand it. But it did. It just feels like the pace of everything feels off. You know, you're spending a literal hour in a castle before the fight and then a literal hour Maybe at most as part of the fight. I don't know. That's that's my big beef with it. But I, I've kind of come around. I'm I, I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be a fun last episode, I think. And uh, who, if you got to pick, who are you picking to uh, to be on the throne? Uh, I'll go. I I listen to Vegas, so I'm going to go Brand oh, just okay. for that reason. If it wasn't for that, I would have said maybe Sansa or maybe John. Uh, but I'm I'm going with that and. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably going to be pretty emotional. I'm a pretty big Game of Thrones fan. I don't know what I'm going to talk about all week long after that show. I don't have a new show. Do you have a new show Some, uh, no. uh, in, on deck? No, I mean, I, I mean nothing Nothing that, like, I'm, I've been sitting on. Nothing I've been wisely sitting on queued up to watch is, like, like I'm too far deep into the Ameri- <laughs> The Americans is good. I mean, but you, if you, I don't know if you watch that or not. I mean, like, yeah. I don't have anything that I'm – I've been saving, and I should have been saving. I, if I was smart, I'd have a seven seasons of something. Maybe my wife quit watching Breaking Bad in the first season, and so maybe I'll go back and rewatch that with her. She was having a oh, uh, you know, people love Billions. You know, oh, Billions, yeah. I, I've not watched Billions, so yes, that's the show. Maybe that's the show. Got it. You're, you're good. Right. You're good. Billions, it is. All right, Andrew Perloff. Follow him on Twitter at Andrew Perloff. Watch him on the Dan Patrick Show and other myriad places, not myriad, several places on the internet uh, as well, SITV. It's been fun, man. We uh, we should do it again. I'd love to. And, hey, can you apologize in advance to all your cohorts who I may have insulted during the show? I, I, absolutely. They can If they don't listen, if they don't hear you insult them, then screw them. You know? If they hear it, then we'll apologize to them in advance. I'll let them know that, we're, that it's coming. It's all, it's all, it's all in good time. Does Prisco even technologically know how to listen to a podcast? I'm not worried about him. I don't think so. No, Pete. Pete can. Pete can okay. barely. Okay. Pete can barely reply all on emails. So <laughs> probably not firing up a podcast on his phone. Somebody will tell him. That, go ahead. Somebody tweet at him and tell him at Prisco CBS. We told him he's not smart enough to listen to a podcast. We'll see what he says. Um, all right, I got to run and take my kid <laughs> to soccer. You got tons of stuff you got to do as Love well. It. Let's talk soon, buddy. Sounds good. Talk to you later.